Uh, we're going to Galatians 1, uh, chap- uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Now, if uh, you remember last week, I told you we preached on this scripture not too long ago, but we uh, did verses 1 through 5 last week. Well, the, the message we brought last November, October, I believe it was, was verses 6 through 10. Well, today we're going to do verses 6 through 9. Now, I don't know why it happened that way, but it did. So that's what I'm going to preach. Uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 9. And I want to talk to you about this one word today. Non-transferable. Non-transferable. That's a pretty big word, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Pretty big word. You know what that word means? Non-transferable. Well, what it means is something can't be transferred. Now, you big folks know all about that because more than likely you went out and bought something big in your life, some uh, big purchase, you know, a refrigerator, a car, a house, you know, those types of things. Uh, and you've, uh, you know, if you've ever got that little warranty card out, it tells you all the rights and privileges that you have, and then more than likely down at the bottom it'll tell you that these rights are non-transferable. You can't give those rights to somebody else. You've purchased them by purchase, making a purchase, but you can't transfer those rights. Now some, you know, things have a transferable <laughs> warranty to them. Most of the time we associate that with a warranty. But Paul, in his letter to the churches over in Galatia brings up transferability. Did you know that? Well, let's just get into this scripture and find out just how much he talks about it. Uh, Galatians 1, let's begin in verse 6. Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto him, unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Now, a simple, you know, four verses here that we have that Paul is writing to the churches over in Galatia. We talked about the area of Galatia that he was writing to. Uh, You know, it's this area that is in what we call modern-day Turkey, uh, used to be Asia Minor. Uh, Several different churches, you know, this is not just one church, the church of Galatia, but it is the area of Galatia uh, that he is writing to. And the reason that Paul is writing these letters over here, Galatians, Colossians, those types of letters uh, to those churches is he's dealing with issues and churches that he has already set up during his first missionary journey when he's traveled through this area. Uh, When we go back and, you know, go through the book of Acts, you know, in our Sunday night study, we've just started on Acts chapter 15. Well, it just so happens that the letter that Paul is writing to the churches at Galatia 
uh, correspond with that same time frame, uh, with that same era, the same thing we're seeing going on in Acts 15. You remember uh, when we've talked about that, what we're seeing is that Paul and Barnabas are over there preaching and teaching in the synagogues and in the uh, people's houses, and they've stirred up other people against them. The, uh, the Jewish uh, leaders in that area, uh, the other Gentile leaders in that area are stirring up people against Paul and Barnabas. And they're, uh, they've went through and you know set those churches up, and now they're uh, trying to get things started and trying to run them out of town. So Paul is writing back to those churches over there because after they've left the area, after they set those churches up, guess what? People's come in behind them and tried to start trouble. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? People would try to start trouble with God's people. I mean, it looks like they'd just leave us alone, don't it? Looks like they'd just go on about their business. Looks like they'd just go on and, and live their life. That's, that's you know, I, I, that's the... The thing that just kills me about these so-called atheists out there. You know, if you didn't believe in God, you know, that's all right. You know, that's what you can do. That's, but uh, the, it's not enough that you don't believe in God. You want to let everybody else know about it, you know, and they call us crazy. You see, the world just can't leave God's people alone, and we're going to find out why when we get into just a, a couple of more verses. We're going to see exactly why. Uh, sounds real benign sounding. I mean, just, you know, simple you know, simplistic stuff that Paul's writing to, this, to the church over there. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, notice by Paul's language and by Paul's speech, even from the original Greek that he's written to the translation of the English, it's still uh, very straightforward. There is only one gospel. There is only one gospel. You see, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. What Paul is saying is that I have come through, I preached to you, Barnabas has preached to you, other folks have preached to you, and we've preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, don't we? We've learned about that. The gospel is simply a word uh, that means the good news. Uh, and that's what Paul and, and the rest of them have been doing is going through the area telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news. That what? Well, Paul explains that in what? 1 Corinthians 15. Three and four, he tells what the gospel is. That Christ, what, died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news. This is what Paul is telling everybody. This is what Paul is teaching the churches when he's going through setting those churches up. This is what he's teaching the leaders of the churches, that they are to in turn teach that to other people. That is what church is. Jesus said it. Go, teach, preach, make disciples. That was it. That was it. That's church. That is church. To teach, to preach, to make disciples. And you see, 
what Paul was dealing with after he had got out of town, after they'd went on down the road a little bit, then these other folks come in behind them and begin to what? Cause trouble. But you see, we know that there's always going to be what? Troublemakers around. There's always going to be troublemakers. I've taught, tried to teach my girls. I've, I've tried to teach you, uh, the young people that I've always been around. Uh, listen, there are a class of people that live on this earth. And their classification is this. They are button pushers. You know who I'm talking about. This is what they live for. All they do with all their time and all their energy is go around pushing a button. They're pushing buttons all the time. They're pushing buttons. And guess what? They're waiting till what? They get a reaction. Woo! Uh-oh, I got a reaction over here. And man, they'll go crazy. They'll just keep pushing that button. Keep pushing and pushing and pushing because they're getting a reaction. You see what's going on, church? Satan's one of those people. Satan's one of them. He knows how to get at you. He knows what gets under your skin. He knows what makes you mad. He knows how to get you angry. He knows how to get you off track. He is a button pusher. And he is training people each and every day how to become button pushers. Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed. You see, it's not the fact that he's doing this and he's, he's leading other people to do this. That's to be expected. That's who he is. What is so amazing is that we allow him to be successful at it. We allow him to be successful at it. You see, that's what we have to learn as a child of God. What are we called to do? What is our task in this life? It is what? To accomplish the will of God. We know that the will of God is that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. God's will is for everyone to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's God's will. That's what we're called to do. Anything that gets us off of that is, we don't need it in our life. We don't need it. Paul says, I marvel. He's writing back to the church. I marvel that you are so soon removed. And here we go. That, you know, is going to bring this Greek stuff in there, don't you? This word removed in here. Metatathema. Metatathema. Write that one down. If you need help spelling it, get one of these teenagers that was up here a while ago. They'll help you spell that. Metatathema. It was translated removed, but this is the, the uh, meanings of that word as it's applied to different things in Scripture. It means to transpose. Transpose two things, one which is put in place of the other. To transfer. To transfer. To change. To transfer oneself or suffer oneself to be transferred. 
to go or pass away or pass over or to fall away or desert from one person or thing to another. There you go. Paul says, I, I marvel that you are so soon removed or transferred away. Non transferable. Ladies and gentlemen, our faith, our service, our devotion to the king is non-transferable. And Paul says, I marvel. I'm amazed. I am floored that I've just been gone for a little while and already what? You are falling for this stuff. You're allowing Satan to come in and now you are transferring that that belongs to Christ to something else. Because you see, that's what they were doing. That's what the folks over in Galatia were doing. They were transferring the honor and glory due Jesus Christ to something else. They were listening to false teachers. Did you know there's false teachers? There were false teachers back then. Do you know that there's false teachers today? Oh, you better know it. You better know it. I guarantee you. If I had to estimate, which I'm not a good estimator, but if I had to estimate, I'd say that the false teachers outnumber the real ones probably a hundred or a thousand to one. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. What's a foolishness going on today? Paul says, I, I am amazed. So you see, we have to understand as God's people that anytime we attribute our salvation to anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ, we transfer the honor and glory that he deserves to another. We transfer that honor and glory. You know, I've known people in this life that are enamored with, some, with a man that will stand behind the pulpit. And you, you've known them as well. Now, it's all, it's all, I want you to pray for me. All right? I want you to pray for me. I want you uh, to, be, to enjoy the fact that, that I'm your pastor here. I want you to uh, you know, uh, be happy that we have the opportunity to fellowship and to have this church family over here. But whatever you do, don't put me on a pedestal. Go ask my wife. Go ask my children. They'll, they'll tell you. Don't put me on a pedestal. Don't think that I am up here and you're down there. No, no, no. No, we are fellow servants in this journey together. That's what we do. I've simply got a task here. You've got a task here. One task is not more important than the other. We're simply assigned these tasks to do while the king is on his way. And you see, Paul says, don't transfer this honor and glory to somebody else. There's people, uh, there's these, these teachers on TV, there are these uh, guys that have uh, all kind of books lining the, uh, the, you know, the shelves of the Christian bookstore, and there's people who think uh, you, we've got to know what they think, we've got to read what they wrote, uh, we've got to listen to what they teach, but listen, if anything, if anything is not founded and based right here in the word of the living God, it is unnecessary. A man tells you, I've got the key to understanding the Bible. He's a liar. 
And y'all know how that goes with that word. He's a liar. The Holy Spirit is the only one who unlocks this for you and I. Amen. The Holy Spirit. It ain't some teacher out on the West Coast or some teacher up in New York, some teacher down in Texas. It ain't some teacher over uh, overseas somewhere. I don't care who he is, what his name is, or what uh, her name is, how she teaches. I don't care anything about that. Unless it is the Holy Spirit uh, leading us and showing us the word of the living God, it is unnecessary. Paul says, I'm amazed that you've transferred this glory due Jesus Christ to somebody else. You see, they were at work there, bringing teachings into the church over there that that maybe uh, Christ really wasn't uh, the Son of God. There were there were teachings against the deity, uh, the the deity of Jesus Christ. There were teachings coming in uh, that were questioning uh, the Trinity. That whether, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're like, no, you know, that's not really the correct teaching. You see, these teachings were beginning to make their way uh, coming in behind Paul. And Paul was saying, how long ago was it when I was there? I told you the truth. Look what he said. Verse 7. Which is not another. He just mentioned it. I marvel that you're so soon... uh, pulled away by another gospel, and then this is what he said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. These are are them. That's what I was telling you about. The button pushers, this is what he says. First of all, he says the same thing that we just talked about a while ago. There is not another. The world says this way to get to heaven. Nope, wrong answer. The world says you can get to heaven this way. No, wrong answer. <coughs> but, but isn't God a loving God? Doesn't God love everyone? Yes, he does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, God does love everyone. Well, God wouldn't send somebody to hell. No, he would not. You got that right. He made a way of escape. You go to hell, your family goes to hell, your friends go to hell, they go of their own accord. They walk, they trample right over the mercies of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to get there. They break through his gate to get there because he has made a way of escape. He has sent his son, he has sent his word as a rescue plan. Mankind, I gave you the world. Mankind, this is what you did with it. Mankind, this is how you get out of it. That's it. He loved us so much that he sent us this word. Paul said, listen, I'm telling you, church, that's not a gospel. It's a false gospel, but it's not the gospel. And look what he said, but there be some that trouble you. I like this one. That that word trouble, terasso, it's a Greek word, terasso, it means trouble or translated as trouble. This is some of the definitions that are associated with that word. To agitate, trouble, 
a thing by the movement of its parts to and fro. Shaking like that. Agitate. To cause one inward commotion. To take away his calmness of mind. Disturb his equanimity. To disquiet. To make restless. To stir up. To trouble. To strike one's spirit with fear and dread. To render anxious or distressed. To perplex the mind of one by suggesting scruples or doubt. Good Lord. Do you know who this is describing? This is Satan straight up and down. This is him. To agitate. That's what his name means. He is the adversary. He is the accuser. That's what he lives for, to accuse mankind before God. And that's what his purpose, that's what he's doing, uh, that's what he considers his purpose, not what he was created for, but that's what he's doing now. He knows his fate. Satan knows his fate. It is sealed. He knows his fate, but yet that's not good enough. He wants to take as many as he can of those that are beloved of God away from him and with him. That's what he's doing. Paul says, listen, there's these people that are coming in that want to cause commotion. They want to agitate. They want to take away the calmness of your mind. They want to disquiet everything. They want to stir up. They want to trouble they want to strike your spirit with fear and dread. They want to render anxiety into your presence. They want to perplex your mind by the suggesting of scruples or doubt. This is Satan at work in our lives. This is what Paul is telling the church over there. This is not another gospel. No, there's people that are in your midst that want to trouble you. And you see, church, this is what you and I, as children of God, have to understand. There are people, and you know this as well as I do, there are people, even within our families, that question our beliefs. That, that you know, would question our sanity in following the beliefs that we follow. There are friends that we have that would that just, you know, well, I'll be your friend, but that, that Christianity stuff, that Jesus stuff, you know, you, you just keep that to yourself because they have no way that they're spiritually incapable of wrapping their mind around. They don't want to. They, want to. they don't want to think about it. They don't want to believe it. Because they are in love with their own life. In love with doing what they want to do when they want to do it. And they don't need anybody else to tell them how to live their life. And you see, those people are all around us in our life. And they don't come right out and say that. I don't, don't, you know, I don't need your Jesus. They'll be like, yeah, okay. They'll give you, I'll, I'll think about that. We'll talk about that later. That's, I, you know, that's a personal decision. That's something personal. Oh, yeah, you better believe it is. 
Paul says there are people all around us that seek to cause trouble. In the eighth verse, he says this. But though we, or get this, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Look, I come, I preach the gospel to you. I've left town. These other cats have come in behind me. They're, they're stirring up trouble. And I hear that, that you're starting to believe them. This is how it is. Even after I've left town, if I come back, or how about this, an angel comes down from heaven and preaches any other gospel to you than that that you first heard from me, that Jesus Christ is the only way, let him be accursed. That means to be cast away from, to be cut off from. That's as serious a, a word or accusation that can be made against somebody. But Paul says this, listen, there is no other gospel. There is no other gospel. If our gospel, our witness, our testimony is centered on anything but the person and work of Jesus Christ, it's false. It is false. And guess what? We live in a time of false gospels. We live in a time of false gospels. There are false gospels all around us. I had never, you know, it just, Sonia and I, a lot of times, like when we sit down and eat supper, we'll, you know, we'll sit down and, and watch the news and it's just getting harder and harder and harder to do that. Because of all the foolishness, all the senseless, <coughs> stupid stuff that you hear on the news and, and people talking and this group and that group and all such as that. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's starting to, to, to really sink in to me. Because, you know, I've always thought, you know, what, one of the things Jesus said, what, that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And I'm like, man, it, it, you know, it, because when you go back, you know, Genesis 5, Genesis 6, you find out it was pretty rough in the days of Noah. Pretty rough. But, you know, the more I'm beginning to look around, the more I'm beginning to see, the more I'm beginning to listen, I'm like, this, this place is messed up. <laughs> this, this world is absolutely lost their ever-loving mind. I mean, they have lost their mind. Well, maybe they hadn't lost it. Maybe Satan has deceived him. That's what's going on. You see, that's what's happening. Because you see, we see this group over here uh, that wants to take up this cause. And it's a good cause. Don't get me wrong. That's okay. That's all right. And you got this group that wants to take up that cause. It's a good cause too. Take it up. That's all right. You got that group, this group, that group, and you got all these different groups that have all these different causes. And you see, you get these people talking and you get them all together on the newscast and you sit there and scream and holler at one another and nobody can reason with anybody else. 
Nobody can just be quiet and listen to somebody else speak for just a few seconds. People can't do that anymore. Don't believe me? Go up to a conversation with somebody. Find a conversation going on with somebody. Just kind of walk on up in there. See how long it takes for somebody to turn around and say, what do you think? You might be there a while. You might be there a while. Not many people want to listen to reason. And Paul was telling the church that. Listen, you can't believe any other gospel. I don't care if it's me coming back to you. If I change my tune, I'm accursed. I am to be anathema, cut off. If it's an angel that comes down from heaven, woo, anathema, cut off, accursed. See what Paul is saying? There is only one gospel. But you have people all over this land today saying, I've got a new word from God. No, you don't. I've got a new revelation. No, you don't. You got a new lie is what you got. There's a movie coming out in just a few weeks, a couple of months, based on one of the biggest false gospels that's been perpetuated on the Christian people in the last 10, 15 years. You'll know it when you see it. Based on a book that many, many people have read. It's false. It's a false gospel. Jesus has not given any new revelation to anybody. This is the only revelation that you and I have. It's the last book of the New Testament. And you see, when somebody says, when somebody perpetuates that they've got a new word from God, a new vision from God, uh, that what they've received from God, you need today, they are a liar and a false prophet. Well, that's harsh words, Joey. You better believe it. You better believe it. That's what Paul said. Anybody comes to you preaching this junk, cut them off. You get them out of your life. You don't need that junk. And you see, this is what Paul was trying to get across to the church. Even so much so, look what he said in the ninth verse. Pretty much what he said in the eighth. As we said before, so I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that you have received, let him be accursed. That you have received. That's one of those big, long Greek words. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I'd pronounce it wrong and you wouldn't remember it. And then even if you did, you'd remember that I pronounced it wrong. So I'm not going to. But I'll tell you what it means, what Paul was talking about. That you have received. Now get this. That you have received. Paul's saying, you've got to remember the gospel that you have received. And this is what that word encompasses, what he was talking about, that you have received. To take to, to take with oneself, to join oneself, an associate or in a companion. Pretty good, pretty good. It also means this, to accept or acknowledge one to be such as he professes to be. To 
accept that. You see what he's saying? You've received this gospel. How did you receive this gospel? That word also means not to reject, not to withhold obedience. Received. I'm not rejecting Christ. I'm not withholding obedience. It means to receive something transmitted. I tell you the truth. You believe it. You receive it. Get this. To receive with a mind by oral transmission of the authors from whom the tradition proceeds. By the narrating to others, by instruction of teachers, used of disciples. A lot of different definitions, yes, I know, but notice this. None, none, not one of those definitions said something uh, that was an emotional experience. Something that made you cry. Something that was just a life-changing experience, an emotional experience like you've never had. What are you trying to say, Joey? Listen, this is what Paul was talking about. I marvel that you are so easily moved from the gospel that you have received. How did you receive this gospel? You see, that's that's the trouble. Is some people think that the gospel today is received through some type of emotional experience that they have. It has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with our emotions. Our emotions are given to us by God to understand that which is in our mind and in our heart, yes, that's good, that's okay. Emotions are good, they're not bad. But salvation and knowledge of the gospel is not based upon those emotions. Because emotions can be what? Wrong. They can be wrong. We've all seen what? Or heard the you know teenagers before? We've probably all been that teenager before. That that person in your life, and it's like, oh, but I love them. Oh, my Lord. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't even know what love is. The, these people that are, are running around today talking about different issues going on in this world, and, and they're, you know, trying to... Uh, talk about these issues from the viewpoint that they understand, but they never, ever consider how it affects other people. They have no knowledge of that. It's simply based on the emotions that they have that they are right, and they have to uphold justice. Paul says, don't fall for that. Don't fall for it. Satan is trying to trip you up. Satan is trying to trick you. And you see, church, this is where we get to today. This is where this brings us to today. What does all this have to do with Piedmont Avenue Baptist Church, with the church in the United States of America, with the church in the world in 2017? Well, it has everything to do with it. Because there are false teachers and false gospels 
going about all over the place. And if we are not careful, we are not aware, we will transfer the glory due to Christ to something or somebody else. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. Go back like we do every time. Revelations 4, 11. You know it as well as I do, don't you? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and glory and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, by thy will, they are and were created. There's nothing in Revelations 4.11 about what Joey wants or needs or what Joey thinks. Nothing. Not one thing in there. And we may think, well, that's harsh. You know, that's, that's you know, that's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't understand uh, that, that, that characteristic of God. I, I don't, you know, and that's, that's, uh, where people get sometimes. They're like, I don't understand that characteristic of God. That's because they're thinking in a carnal mind, in a carnal way. You're thinking about God as another person, but he's not another person. God is God. He is eternal. He is from the beginning, before the beginning, and way past the end. He is the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. He is far beyond our mind, our sensations. Jesus Christ came into this flesh for us to be able to relate to God. For us to know him, to be saved. And then this world tries to relate to him tries to relate to God and make him a person. Well, how can God do this? How can God require that? Oh, he yes, he created all things, but isn't that a little uh, egotistical of him? And we think about it in this, this fleshly mind of ours. You see, that's what happened in the garden. That's exactly what happened in the garden. Exactly what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They would have lived forever in their earthly physical bodies. They would have lived forever. In God's presence, in God's fellowship, in God's friendship. Forever. On the earth, on this earth, they would have lived forever in the presence and in the friendship of God. But, but Satan convinced them that they could be like God. You see, Satan had already got in trouble for thinking that very same thing. 
for believing that very same thing. And and how how can how can someone actually believe that junk? Because you see, that's what it is. That's what we've been talking about here this morning. One that stirs up trouble, button pushers. How can somebody how did Adam believe that? How could he have failed for that? How could Eve have fallen for that? Simple. Pride. Pride. Every single time. Every single sin, you go down to the foundation of it and look at it and you'll see pride there. And that's what I'm talking about. When we project ourselves out ahead of God, we've we've messed up. We've messed up. It's all about Him. Everything is about Him. Our life is about Him. My family is about Him. This church is about Him. We can't put anything else out in front of him. He is God. He created us. He, it is he who has made us. And you see, when we put anything out in front of him, we upset the order. And that's where we get in trouble. That's what Paul was saying. That's what Paul was saying. You got a bunch of troublemakers over there in the church. You got troublemakers that are coming by, uh, you know, trying to tell you different stuff. He says, This is what I'm telling you. Get them out. Get away from them. Cut yourself off from them. Because this is too important. This is too important. Brother Mel, come with a verse of a song. Now, listen. You're like, Well, uh, I don't know what to do with this one today, Joey. I don't, I don't really understand what you're trying to get to. Listen, as God's people, as, as a child of God, and as a church that is in service to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have to stay on our toes constantly. Constantly. And it is so hard in today's time because our society and our culture is this. If it's not the latest, if it's not the greatest, if it's not the biggest, if it's not the best, then you're not living up to your potential. You're not doing what you need to be doing. And a lot of times, I know, okay, listen to me. I know, child of God, that you can get this feeling, this, this uh, a sensation that what you're doing is not accomplishing very much, if anything at all. I know that. I know that. But what you have to understand and what you have to know is that Satan pushing your button. Because all in the world he wants you to do is this right here. Sit down and give up. That's what he wants you to do. Sit down and give up. He don't want you to try anymore. He don't want you to pray anymore. He don't want you to read this word anymore. He don't want you to shake hands and have fellowship with your brothers and sisters anymore. He wants you to give up. And he's doing that by trying to convince you that what you're doing is not worth anything. And you see, this is what I was trying to get across a while ago, and I know I did a bad job of it. But this is what I was trying to transmit to you a while ago. It's when we think of things in this earthly, fleshly mind, we, we just we miss the mark totally. Because you have to understand what you're doing for God is, is not something you should be looking at in a fleshly context, 
But you need to be looking at it in a heavenly context. Because you think, well, the times that I come in here and, you know, uh, empty the trash out of the kitchen or the time that I go upstairs and, you know, change a light bulb or the time that I come in here and sit back on the back pew and, and pray for the preacher, those things don't mean anything. Wrong, wrong, wrong. They mean everything. Because everything that we do for Him, when we put Him first, everything that we do matters. See what we're saying? When we put him first. Now, if we're, if we're out front and we're putting ourselves first, then what we're doing doesn't matter. Uh, unless it's hindering somebody. That's what it'll do. But when we put him first, when we put him first in our life, everything you do matters. I don't care. You may think, well, it's small. No, that's a lie from Satan. That's him agitating. He's trying to tell you what you're doing doesn't mean anything. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It means something. And you see, we'll never know it here on this side, but I guarantee you it's written in the ledgers of heaven. It'll be brought up again. It'll be brought up again. You better believe it'll be brought up. And you might think it's some little bitty something, but you're going to be amazed when you get over there. And angels are rejoicing because of your faithfulness. That's right. That's right. So that's what we've got to do, church. Paul said, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't believe this garbage. You cut them off from you. You cut yourself off from that. And you trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Paul said, it's the only way. So this is the invitation, church. If you're here today and lost and never accepted Jesus Christ, I know we always use those church words, and that's you know a hard habit to break. But that's it. It's belief in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, believing that He died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, believing that He was buried, and believing that He rose again, according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures is from Genesis to Revelation. All that when you believe in that, like we were talking about a while ago, belief, taking that belief here. Here, and knowing it is him in whom you have believed. You're saved. You're saved. Well, that's simple enough. That's simple enough. Yes, it is simple. But Satan tries to make it hard. If you need to do that today, let's take care of that before we leave here. If there's something you need to come and pray about, listen, let's take care of that as well. There's people here that will meet you at this altar. And pray with you. They'll I pray with you. Absolutely. So if whatever it is that you need to take care of today, listen, let's handle that. And let's get our business straight. And let's get on board and get working so that we can do the work of the kingdom and be a light to those around us. So if there's something you need to take care of this